Will you answer the call, the call of God to a greater, higher plan and a purpose? Will you rise up to what God has placed in you that he wants to call out of you? Welcome. You guys thrilled to be in the house of God this weekend. Man, it's great to see you. Welcome to all nine of our campuses. We're fired up. God behind the horrors. Men, we love you guys. Farragut, man, keep charging over there. It's exciting. Literally, Faith Promise Global, God is up to some incredible things. And it is fall break, and uh, we've got a couple thousand folks traveling this weekend. And so uh, what we have this weekend is the committed, the people of God. Amen. I'm talking about the spiritual people are here this weekend. Matter of fact, I, I, I even taught some folks, some in our small group, that, that literally planned their schedule around so they could be here. A lot of folks are gone because of fall break. We actually had spring break, uh, or the last break, a couple in Orlando come back to serve in kids' ministry and go back. That's what I call committed. And that's, and that's what we have. So, man, we've got the core this weekend, and, man, we're so grateful. Actually, what some of you may be doing is saving up for Heart for the Harvest, huh? Come on, somebody help me. That is in five weekends. This is our first promotion piece that you can see what's going on, what we've done, where we're going. If you're brand new, you, you know, you've been in the last year. Heart for the Harvest is an annual offering that we give that that we give to the Lord it, it builds new campuses it does compassion ministries it does some of our mission stuff and it's a just a sacrificial deal last year we gave about two million dollars on that weekend and it's five weekends so it's incredible uh, get ready for it it is coming but thank you Cor thank you guys that are here that are faithful now in January we gave you an FP original book that we wrote for you, a devotion, 31 day, centered around the theme for the year. We do that every single year. The theme for this year is what God calls you, calls you out. That's exactly right. You've got it. And in that, we've challenged every promiser to respond to his or her calling from God, what God uniquely wants to do. And we know that God is the giver of every good name, just like he's the giver of every good gift. Would y'all guys agree with that? And so that's what God does. He, he gives us great names. It says in Proverbs 22, 1, uh, this, it's coming soon. Here it comes. A good name is to be more desired than great wealth. Now, let me ask you a question. Would you not agree that there's a ton of people in our culture that would gladly give up their name to be rich? They don't care about the reputation. They don't care about what they just want to have more money. But the scripture's clear that a good name, a reputation is, is far better than great wealth. Favor is better than silver or gold. Now, next weekend, we're going to take a, a deep dive into that verse, Proverbs 22, which again is our theme verse for this year. But uh, by the way, our 2018 uh, devotion book is going to the printer soon, and I've had several of our staff members actually write for it this year. I did about half of it, and they did the other half, and we have some incredible, incredible staff that are adding incredible value to people's lives, and I can't wait. I believe it'll be the greatest devotion book that we have ever put out. And so we'll be giving that out the last couple weeks of December, and then it really launches January 1 with 21 days of fasting and prayer, and it's going to be awesome. Now, 
It's hard to believe, but we are in the fourth quarter of 2017. Didn't it just begin about four weeks ago? But here we are, man, we are on the, on the final home stretch of 2017. And 2017 has just been a weird year. Would y'all agree with that? The elections that went on, man, alive, come on. I, wow. The protests, some peaceful, some are not. Division that absolutely devastates, devastates our country. Division will be one of the things that will kill America. You realize that. And actually, as I travel the world, can I tell you that governments and media keep people divided so they can maintain power? Now, it, it is, I, I see it now globally. Hurricanes that have pounded, pounded until last night, another hurricane pounding the, the Gulf Shore, and then the worst of all was the Las Vegas shooting that happened a week ago. 59 people killed, 527 people wounded, are in critical, uh, in critical condition today. And can I tell you something? When tragedy happens, it's an equal opportunity. It was Asian, white, black, young, old, kids, men, and women. It was across the board. And it was a horrific thing all the way across the board. Would you guys not agree with that? And yet, it, it was not a respecter of persons. It, it just, it wasn't, it, it was not a respecter. Everybody, everybody was hurt in the midst of that. And yet, what, what, what happens? We move right back into division and labels. We move, we move right back into, into, what, 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 into the division that the world has for us. See, people were equally targeted in that nightmare. And yet, what happens? I'm anti-gun, I'm a, I'm a gun control, I'm a pro-gun, I'm a liberal, I'm a conservative, I'm a Democrat, I'm a Republican, and we have to automatically divide back up, didn't we? Instead of saying, hey, a horrible tragedy's happened in our country, could we not ask God to move? Could we not pray? Oh, no, no, we've got to immediately divide up with our labels. And division dominates, and can I tell you, it is a plan by the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy? Jesus said that Satan was the little G-O-D of our culture, of our world, and he always divides. Because if a kingdom is divided, it cannot stand for very long, Jesus said. And so we are divided amongst ourselves. How? We are divided by the labels that we wear. We are living in a day of the greatest assault on the identity of people and the meaning of life. Our landscape is literally littered with labels that are all over. I'm for this. I'm against that. I will kneel for this. I won't stand for that. Black lives matter. White lives matter. All lives matter. Blue lives matter. For, against, pro, con. Are you with me? That's our, that's our world that's divided up. It's just everywhere. And people ask questions in the midst of that that we need to be ready to answer. People said, well, why did the Las Vegas shooting happen? Because we live in a broken world. Are you with me? We've been broken since the Garden of Eden. That, we, that we've been ripping, robbing, and raping each other. Yeah, but why did God let that happen, Pastor? My question is, why does God let us hurt all the people that we've hurt? Are you with me? See, God made us free moral agents. 
And you get to choose whether you want God or not. You get to choose whether you want to walk a high way of holiness or not. You get to choose whether you want your identity to be found in Jesus or be found somewhere else. The scriptures in Jeremiah 17, 9, the, the, the heart of man is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? All you got to do is look at human, the history of mankind. We've been ropping and ripping and raping each other since the garden. Would y'all agree with that? All the way back to, you know, Cain and Abel. Cain killing his brother. It's, it's, I, it boggles my mind that people could say, well, people are basically good. Have you met people? <laughs> come on, the Bible is clear. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But here's the deal. In a thing like the Las Vegas shooting, can't we of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we people of God, Jesus said they'll know that you're my disciples when you have love one for another. Can't we love instead of lifting up labels? Can't we reach out instead of dividing people? Come on. That's what we need to do. And listen, if we're not careful, church, here's the deal. If the church isn't careful, we will wander out into the field of label landmines in a Christless culture. See, beware, beware what label that you put on. The, 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 see, we need to wear the label of Jesus. Our identities in him. God, would you just move right now, Father, across every campus? God, behind bars, fair get at every campus. Lord, we first intercede for the people of Vegas and those people that were there just on vacation or traveling that, that ran into that terrible tragedy. God, we pray for families who've lost folks. We pray for families who are sitting in a hospital somewhere this morning. And God, we're grateful for men and women who rose up and protected family members. God, we just ask you to move in that. And Father, this weekend, this very moment, would you give incredible revelation into the Word of God? Would you give us incredible insight that we will rip off the labels and that we will find our identity rooted, grounded, and anchored firmly in the Word of God that our identity is in Jesus? It's not in our political labels. It's not in, Lord, help us, Father, to find our identity in you. God, explode this weekend through the Word of God and through revelation. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said... All God's people said, amen. amen. See, again, we live in a culture of labels. And, and people stick labels on us. Hey, there's some good labels. Friend. That's a good label. You like friends? That's why you don't have any, I don't guess. Right? <laughs> Mentor. You can wear a label. Promiser. That's a good one. Christian. There's some really good labels. But then there's some other labels that people just stick on us that we didn't realize got stuck on us, and then we begin to believe them. Labels like loser. You ever been called a loser? What about this? Failure. This is what I used to be called, quitter. This is what some of us believe that we were a mistake. I had a friend of mine's mother told him, and he got up on Sunday morning, he was six or eight years old, she was in bed sleeping off a drunk. He opened his one gift in his Christmas card that said, Merry Christmas, I wish I had an abortion. You're a mistake. About addict. Addict. See, we, we get labels that just get stuck on us. Are you with me? And some labels are good and some labels are bad. But we get them. But let me tell you something about labels. And we all wear them, don't we? Come on. 
We got them on everything. We, we, we've got them on everything we own, but we live in a culture of nothing but labels. But here's, let me, let me warn you something. The longer that we, leave, that we leave labels, the less they describe our past and the more they determine our future. When you buy into mistake, failure, loser, quitter, when you buy into those loser labels that somebody stuck on you, not God, but somebody else, and the devil will use any tongue that will wag to pin on you a liar label. See, if the longer that we leave them, that we don't pull them off, the less they describe what we used to be and the more they will absolutely determine our futures. That makes sense. See, labels, let me tell you something about labels. Labels, go to the next slide. Labels describe you, but your identity defines you. Labels can describe you, but your identity. And the reason I think that we label everything is because a label communicates value. Does that make sense? Like if you have Rolex on your watch, is it worth more than all the other watches? Of course it is. If you drive a Lexus or a Rolls Royce, matter of fact, have you ever seen a Rolex go on sale? See, they put Timexes on sale. They don't put Rolexes on sale. What's the value? The value's in the label. This is better than every other watch. Now, I have three. I have three. They look like Rolexes. They are Folexes. Are you with me? <laughs> Folex. They're not, they don't run all the time, and they don't work very good. Because, see, the label is a lie. It's not the genuine deal. It's a lie. And so, but we, we love labels. Why? Because they communicate value. Now, next weekend, we're going to, again, talk about the value of a name. This weekend, what we want to do is we want to rip off some labels. We want to rip off labels like failure and loser and mistake and quitter. We want to rip those off. See, what, this weekend, we don't need a new label. We need a new identity. Now, last week, about 150 people followed Jesus in baptism and identified with Christ. It was a great weekend. They identified. We have been raised with him to walk in a brand new life. We need a new identity. And it is not found in the watch you wear, the car you drive, the neighborhood you live in. That's not what it is. And see, what we need is an identity because your identity shapes your calling. Does that make sense? And there's only one true source of calling, and that is heaven. He is the one that called us out of darkness. Would you all agree with that? It says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, but you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. When you say, God can never use me. I can never be a storyteller, Chris. I can never make a difference. What God called you was a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own possession, so that you may proclaim, you, storyteller, may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of what? into his marvelous light. See, God called us out of darkness. And when he calls us out of darkness, he said, would you, would you please pull off those loser labels that I didn't put on you? You are not a mistake. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. You are not a failure. You are not a loser. And you are not a quitter. I am calling you to greatness. I'm calling you to stand for me. And what we know is this, what God calls you, now listen, you can wear a lot of good labels. You can wear churchgoer, you can wear Christian, you can wear promiser. There's some good labels that you can wear, but a label is no substitute for an identity. I don't care what you call something. 
I wear those. The, my, my dad, I got those when my dad passed away, those Lexus. I didn't know him because he bought them in Chinatown, in New York. And they run, see, I, and so I wear them just because they were his. But, but, it's, but it's, the, it's what's inside there that matters. It's not the label. Does this make sense? And so we got to lose the labels. Matter of fact, let me just give you a thought. Maybe the reason that your life isn't different and your calling isn't quite clear is because you're wearing a label on you and you're not walking in him. It's easy to put on a Faith Promise t-shirt or an EP on the back of your car. Matter of fact, some of you have pulled, me, have pulled out in front of me, run me off the road, and I wanted to <laughs> drive up beside you and tell you that you were number one only to see an EP sticker <laughs> and decide it probably wasn't a good idea. So it's easy to put a sticker on your car. It's easy to wear a t-shirt. It's easy to put a little dove or a ball cap. It's a whole different, it'll walk in him. You see, identity is a, it's a, it's a critical piece in our culture. As a matter of fact, young adults, millennials are trying to get a grip on this identity. Now, let me tell you why I believe that young adults are so grappling with identity, because our culture is so confused. Now, don't you think about this. Come on, think about this. What the culture tells you, and remember the culture is set up to divide us. Are you with me? So what the culture tells you is that your identity is about the race. Your identity is about what color you are. See, that's, 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 who, that's who you are is what color you are. If you're black or you're Asian or you're white, see, that's what matters most. Who cares the pigmentation of your skin? Who cares? Love what Martin Luther said, that, that there will be a day when people will be judged by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. But see, we believe our identity is built into our race. Our identity is built into our sexuality. You know, well, I'm of this or I'm of that. Our identity is built into our family of origin. Our identity is built into what school we went to or whether our ball team won yesterday or not. Our identity is built into our gender, our career, or our family. Does this make sense? And so the world says, look inside you and you know, or look around you and try to figure out your identity. It's no wonder faith and hope and calling have fallen on crippling times in America because we are told, don't look to God, look to you. Look to your family, look to your color, look to your race. And so what happens? The political powers that be around the world divide us. Well, you got to vote black, you're this color. You got to vote white, you're this color. You're a Republican, you got to do this. You're a Democrat, you got to do that. You're, a, you're poor, you got to do this. You can't, you're rich, you can't do that. And the world is set up to divide us, not to unite us. And Jesus said, oh God, I pray that they would be one as you and I, Father, are one so that the world will know that you sent me. Come on, church, can we not? Get some love and pop some labels. It's the will of God. Let me tell you, you are not the sum of your labels. You're not just, oh, man, I, it's just not what you are. God is calling you to so much more. Who are you in Him? Or are you just simply what people whisper about you at work or at school? What are you? What, what, what are you? In Mark 2, we find an incredible story. Literally, it's, I, I go back to this story so often because it's one of my favorite, favorite stories of Jesus and faith. Jesus has gone home back to Capernaum. Now, 
the, the historians would tell us he was at Peter's house. And I'm, I, every, about every 18 months, I take a group to Israel. Next October, 18, of the first 50 people that sign up are going to go to Israel with Michelle and I. We will actually go to Peter's home in Capernaum and then see the, the Jewish synagogue, the remains of the Jewish synagogue that was in that community that Jesus taught at. And so these guys hear, hey, Jesus is home. Man, let's, let's go see Jesus. So they're all sitting around talking. They decide we're going to get up and go see Jesus. And about that time, they see their buddy over there sitting in the corner with his head held in shame because he's a paralytic and he cannot go. And so he says, hey, you guys go ahead and go see Jesus. Come back and tell me what he's teaching. Man, come back and tell me what he's doing. And one faith-filled friend, I believe, listen, I believe this was a promiser right here. I'm just going to tell you. These four guys were, were alive in Knoxville. They'd be at Faith Promise Church. They said, we're not, gonna go to, we're not going to Jesus without you. Come on, boys. Let's take up this pallet. Let's all each grab a corner, and let's go ahead on and take our buddy to go see Jesus. See, that's what real friends do. Real friends bring their friends and family to Jesus. Are you with me? That's what, hey, are you a storyteller? And so they're going to take, let's pick the story up in Mark 2, chapter 1. When he had come back to Capernaum several days afterwards, it was heard that he was at home. I think he was hiding out in the back room, honestly. And it was heard that he was home. And many were gathered together so that there was no longer room, not even near the door. The yard is full, everything's packed. And he was speaking the word to them. And they came, the four guys with their paralytic buddy, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. Being unable to get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof over him. Now, you talk about a calling. These guys were going to get their friends to Jesus, no limits. No stopping. See, that's what we do at Faith Promise. That's why we have heart for the harvest. That's why there is no limits to what we're going to do to make it hard to go to hell from East Tennessee. Is anybody with that? That's, listen, that's why we do what almost no other churches are doing in East Tennessee. That's why we do it. Why? Because there are no limits that we are going to, that we're going to stop at that we're, to bring our friends and family, our, na- our co-workers, our teammates, our classmates our, to Jesus. Does that make sense? That's why I love these guys. You talk about storytellers, man. These guys are going to get their friends. So let me ask you a question. How far are you willing to go to bring your family and friends? Because listen, here's the deal. We baptized 150 people last week. It was incredible. Is incredible. Can I tell you something? Listen, you guys determine how many people we're going to baptize. You say, how's that? By how many people you share the story with. See, I don't think we're waiting on God. I believe God's waiting on us. I believe God is waiting on us to bring our family and friends. He said, ah, that's everybody else's job. That's No, no, you're a storyteller. You are called by God to share the story, your story and his story. Amen? I I think we could have baptized 500 people last weekend if we'd have all gotten busy. See, can I tell you something? For some of us, it's time. Your car's been in neutral way too long. Put the sucker in first gear. Pop the clutch. Give us some gas and get moving for the kingdom of God. Get off the stinking bench and get in the game like these four guys did. Are you with me? Come on. Come on, I'm talking to you. You'll be glad when you get to heaven that you did. You'll be glad. And so, man, they, they bring their friend to Jesus. They can't get to him. They tear the roof off. 
and they drop their buddy in there to Jesus. They drop him. Can I ask you a question? Whose feet are you at? A label maker or the maker? See, life is way, much, way more than another class to pass, another promotion to get, another million to make, another notch in your gun belt. It's greater than another game to win or video game to play. Does that make sense? Your purpose is so much more than that. Now, in Jesus' day, they're bringing their buddy to Jesus, but nobody had any compassion on this paralytic because in Jesus' day, they believed if you were sick or crippled, it was your fault or your mom and dad's fault because good people didn't get sick. Remember Job? They blamed Job for all of Job's maladies. That's the, that's the old, that's the, the, the Middle Eastern mindset. And so they bring their friend. Look at verse, chapter 2, verse 5. And they, you know, they tear the roof off, and they drop their friend in. I don't know about you, but I tell, listen, I'm willing to tear the roof off to get our friends and family to Jesus. Anybody with me? I'm ready to tear the roof off. And this, so Jesus said, and Jesus seeing their what? Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven. Let me tell you what Jesus did. Jesus reached over and Jesus ripped off the label of sinner right off him. He said, you're forgiven. Jesus peeled off the cultural level, label that the culture pinned on him. Does that make sense? And Jesus calls him forgiven when everybody else called him sinner. See, that's what Jesus does. He peels off the labels. But you ever, you ever ripped off a label and it left residue? You know what I'm talking about? I literally had a pair of pants. You know, you buy pants and they've got a, they've got a label down the back of them and peel it off and the residue ruined the pants. Does that make sense? See, when, when, when Jesus rips off, a, rips off a label, there's some residue, but he does it on purpose. Look at this. Jesus has a plan to use the leftovers of our labels. It's a plan. So that label that you used to wear that he peeled off, he leaves some residue on you so that he will get glory through your story. See, he heals our, the core of who we are. The world heals the symptoms. I mean, that's what the, you go to the doctor, they treat a symptom. You go to the, you go to the pharmaceutical world, they treat a symptom. Are you with me? See, there's no money in the cure. The money's in treating the symptoms. And so we, we live in a world that can't cure. We live in a world that can only treat symptoms. Does this make sense? God cures. Look at, look at James chapter 2. In the same way was not Rahab the harlot. Now, this is 3,000 years ago. Has she still got a label stuck on her? Rahab the what? Rahab the hooker was justified by her works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith of that works is dead. So what's God's desire? God's desire is even when, he, when God rips off a loser label, when he peels it off of us. See, God wants, to, God wants the world to know that he peeled that off. And his desire is that you have an overcoming faith. You're not a loser, that you have an active faith. Does this make sense? Again, 3,000 years later, we're still calling her a harlot. Why? Because God wants us to know that this hooker that was found in Jericho that saved the spies from certain death and went with the Jews, can I tell you, she is in the lineage of our Lord Jesus Christ. We find her in Hebrews 11 in the Hall of Fame of Faith. Why? See, if, 
If you only knew it was Rahab, then you'd think, okay, that lady. But when you say, is Rahab the hooker? Well, if God can use Rahab the hooker, if God can heal Rahab the hooker, if that she can be saved and be found in the lineage of our Lord and Savior, what can God do with me if my identity is found in Him? Come on, somebody. Woo! So here's the deal. The leftovers of your labels are not too big to be forgiven, but his overcoming them is too big to be denied. So what, there's some residue left of your label. Why? Because God wants the world to know. Hey, I peeled the label off. I've given you a new name. Your past is forgiven. Your future is secure. You're an overcomer. I bought your salvation and your victory with the blood of my son on the cross, and you are fully, freely adopted, loved, and blessed in him. So we lose the lies of the labels, and we walk in the freedom that Jesus bought for us. Does this make sense? So let's go back to Mark 2, chapter 5. And Jesus seeing their what? Their faith, not the paralytic's faith, their faith. Their faith to bring their friend to him. Jesus seeing their faith. How much faith do we have? Faith, promise, church. We, our name is about the promises of God and the faith that we have in the word of God and the God of the word that he is able. Does this make sense? We got to have faith to believe that God is going to move. But can I, let, me, let me wrap this up. Let me give you one last thought. And it is this, that transformation rarely happens in isolation. It rarely happens in isolation. Had this, had this paralytic dude not had some friends, not been a part of a small group, that had some faith in God, he would have died a beggar laying beside the road, having dust kicked in his face, and people dropping pences by him. Why? He had, man, he had some friends that had some faith, and the faith of his friends, they brought him to Jesus, and he was healed, and he walked the rest of his life instead of crawling and laying on the side of the roads. Anybody get that? See, the, man, can, I, can I tell you, he, they, he had friends that had enough faith to tear the roof off to get their friend to Jesus. How much faith do you have? How much faith? See, we are called to carry our friends to the feet of Jesus. Also, the faith of the people that are around you matters. It mattered to this guy, didn't it? Are you, are you in a part of a small group that's, that believes in you, that prays for you? Are you a part of a group of people? Michelle and I are an incredible small group now. We just so love it. And so, but you need to be around a group of people. Because, see, most of us got what we believe from our family of origin. And many of us grew up in houses where our families were not believers. Does that make sense? And so you got to have a new family, a new spiritual family, a church, and then you, you get in a foxhole with some, some men and women, some students, and you pray for each other, and you grow together. Does this make sense? That's why you got to be in a group. This guy would have died a paralytic, but his friends wouldn't let it happen. Have you got some people around you that believe that God has got a calling on your life, and you're going to do something incredible? Come on. That's what God wants us to do. Now, for some of us, we got some great labels, labels, Christian, promiser, but it's easy to stick a label on your shirt. My question is, does Jesus live in your heart? Because if you are not born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. If you don't have a relationship with him. He said, people will say to me in, 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 in Matthew 25, in the end, many will say to me, we went to church, we cast out demons, we did miracles, we gave money. And he will say, depart from me, you work with naked before I never... I never knew you. No, was intimate relationship. I never had fellowship. I never 
knew you. I was not a part. We, we didn't have relationships. It's easy to be religious. My question is, does Jesus live in your heart? Is he your best friend? Is he your Lord? And if he's not, if you're ready to be forgiven, if you're ready to enter into a love affair with God, then he's ready to reach out and receive you. So with every head bowed, every eye closed at every campus, if you're ready, we're going to pray this simple prayer with you. We're going to pray it out loud right now. Come on. Dear Jesus, I know that I've sinned. I've blown it. I am so sorry. Forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I put my faith in you. Write my name in your book. Give me your identity. I will live for you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Come on, somebody give God some praise at every campus this weekend. Wow. Wow. Now, as we get ready in just a couple minutes to receive an offering, matter of fact, every campus, your campus pastors are coming to take over, man, as they begin to come right now from all of our campuses. If you just prayed and gave Jesus your heart, would you pull the communication card out in front of you? In online campus, you can go to the chat room or click right there. Feel that somebody will be in touch with you. If you'll just pull the card out and say, hey, I prayed with, I prayed with the pastor. I gave my heart to Jesus. Or if you need to be in a group, fill that out. Or go to Next Steps after this service. Whatever you need to do. So if you'll pull that out, I guess if you'll fill those cards out. Because in just in a minute and a half, we're going to receive an offering. And you just put those cards in those buckets. Man, that will help us. We just want to follow up with you. We want to help you grow. Now, worship, giving is an act of worship. Amen? Matter of fact, our hands are open. And, and what we do is some of us online... Michelle and I give online. It's the easiest way for us, easiest way for, our, for the office. But, but we give to God through his church. And as we, as, as God's blessed us, anybody blessed? Is anybody blessed? Then we just, then we give back to God. He said, bring the whole tithe. The tithe means 10%, your tithe. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. You can do it online. You can text it. You can, you know, you can mail it in. You can... Or you can you can give as the buckets are passed. But hey, listen, it's not about it's it's about giving to God because God has given to us. See, you're called generous. Amen. The question is, are is what's call, is what God is calling you calling you out? You say, Pastor Man, I I already don't have enough money to last the month. I know. Don't you want God to bless that money that you have? And so when you're faithful to him, he's just so faithful. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to receive the offering as we give to God. Father, we come now, and we just say, God, we're so blessed. So we think about those people right now on the Gulf Coast, pounded with a third hurricane. So we think about the people with the floods over in India. So we think about the, all that went on in South Texas four weeks ago. As we think about all around the world, the devastation, God, we we are so well blessed here in East Tennessee. So God, as we give back to you just a small portion of what you've given us, would you bless the gift and the giver is our prayer in Jesus' name. And all God's people said.